It's time to get in the zone. The Fantasy Football Zone. Hey guys, where else would you rather be? Get involved with the show by following us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. This is the Fantasy Football Zone. And welcome back into the Fantasy Football Zone. And Corey Smith from RotoWire again joining us this week. How you doing? Going on, Paul. And a really good Sunday of football this week. Monday night was a little bit of a snoozer, but got lots of news for this weekend. Excited for another show. Yes, and right off the top, I mean, we had another big injury. We're going to start off with that Browns-Bengals game, which went down to the wire. The Browns pulled it out, and again, the guy that I've been harping on that looks terrible, Baker Mayfield, he looked good in this game, but Odell Beckham Jr., the big torn ACL, and uh, it sounds like, you know, they announced he is done for the season. So again, another guy, a lot of people had high hopes for Odell for this year, maybe the second year in a new system here in Cleveland would have helped things out. I mean, early on, it looked like uh, they were going to feature him a lot more, but... uh, Unfortunately, with this injury, we will never know how a full season would look with him. True, and ironically enough, the injury comes on a play where Baker Mayfield throws an interception and OBJ has to run down Darius Phillips to try to tackle him. So just just a terrible way to end his season. And with this season-ending injury, it'll mean 25 missed games since the start of 2017 for OBJ. Remember, he also had that ankle injury a couple years back that cost him 10-11 games, so... He's missed some significant time here. Mayfield, like you said, Paul, I mean, he was fine. It was one of his better games after he threw a pick on the first play of regulation. Uh, Think about this. When targeting Beckham this year, just a 54% completion rate and a 73.6 QBR. To his all other wide receivers, 79% completion rate, 96 QBR. So I don't buy that the Browns are a better team without OBJ. There's no way. He's just too talented, but... I, I am buying not a huge loss as much as I hate to say it. I think he's incredibly talented, but with them being a run-oriented team, Paul, I don't see this as being death to their playoff hopes by any means. And I know the popular pickup has been Rashard Higgins, who played great in his absence, a big 100-yard game, and uh, was a favorite target of Baker Mayfield to con- you know, finish that one off against Cincinnati. So going forward, could you believe in Higgins? Or is, again, is it maybe Jarvis Landry is going to start stepping up and seeing a little bit more targets his way? Yeah, to me, it's mostly Jarvis Landry who's going to be the beneficiary of this. Higgins, he's popped with points in his career, but he's never really had that sustained success. Certainly this will be his best shot with the Browns being like a real team with a semi-legitimate quarterback. Uh, he's been on the team since the Hugh Jackson days, but I would pick him up in a deeper league, Paul, but I'm not extremely adamant about Higgins. You know, Mayfield seems to throw touchdowns to random guys all the time. We had Bryant with a touchdown this week, and he just mixes it around. So to me, the biggest guy whose value increase is going to be Jarvis Landry and deeper leagues Higgins. Higgins is interesting in just deeper leagues for me. And I forgot the ending of this game until you brought it up. Yeah, this was a bad beat, wasn't it? Terrible. I mean, it's perfect. Uh, the double doink master, Cody Parkey himself. This was a three and a half point spread, and they were sitting there up three points with Cleveland. The final minute, he shanks that extra point to give the Bengals the win against the spread. I mean, obviously, since he wanted to come down and win the game, but they only had five seconds left, so didn't really have an opportunity to do that. But yeah, Cody Parkey pretty much decided the uh, against the spread this week in terms of betting. So just a crazy, influential extra point that went the Bengals' way in terms of if you bet on them last week. Well, the Chiefs and Broncos, they went at it in the snow. And, uh, well, the Chiefs, they were not slowing down one bit. They kept rolling. And another big uh, victory for them. 
on a quest to uh, try to capture the West once again. Yeah, it seems like the Broncos are not going to stand their way, that's for sure. Uh, offensive, couple offensive touchdowns on the ground, uh, one throwing for Mahomes. And then they also had a special teams and a pick six from Daniel Sorensen in this game. So all three phases just dominant from the Chiefs. And Patrick Mahomes in this game again, Paul, I mean, he, he's very efficient, but in the month of October, he only threw more than 30 passes one time in four outings. The Chiefs are just a much better defensive team than they were at the start of last year. I mean, certainly they came on late, but their defense is better. They're running really well. So Mahomes just hasn't had to put it up as much. I think that maybe has some fantasy jams a little frustrated at this point, but I don't know. I'm not selling a Mahomes, are you? No, and I think we all get enamored because those September numbers are so great. I mean, what is he still undefeated in September? And he, I mean, he just puts up the monster numbers right away that you got to expect there's going to be a little bit of a drop off in production uh, come October. And and good point to you as well, pointing out, yeah, defenses start picking things up a bit, and especially this year, the way things have been, you would think a lot of these defenses would start to get better because now they've had more time to uh, gel a little bit more. So I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm not jumping off the Mahomes bandwagon. A couple games here and there. You're still in good shape if you have Mahomes most likely on your roster. No question about it. And Chiefs know they have their guy. They have the best most talented quarterback in the NFL. On the other side with the Broncos, I think eyebrows are really starting to go up now. We know Drew Locks had the injury issues, had the shoulder issue that cost him a few games here. His two games back, he's thrown a 53% completion rate, no touchdown passes, four picks against New England and Kansas City. And the Broncos just 16 points per game in games he's actually been able to finish this season. So it's a little early. But I think that's not quite red alert time, but signals are starting to go up that Drew Locke, he may not be the guy. He just hasn't been that explosive. And, yeah, the Broncos' offense is looking pretty rough right now. He has to get it going here. Does Locke get a little bit of a pass, though, because Cortland Sutton's been out, top receiver. They're trying to develop Jerry Judy, come along. And, uh, you know, basically the number three receiver, Patrick's is number one right now. So does he get a little bit of pass because of that going on right now? Or do you say he's got to be a little better than this right now? I agree with you. I mean, I'm starting to get a little bit concerned, but overall, I mean, four and one last year. He's only really finished three games this year. He didn't have Noah Fant last week either, so yeah, definitely they're he, they're missing some guys. Philip Lindsay is in concussion protocol now, so I will give you a little bit of a break here with Locke, but I'm, we're going to have to start seeing something soon with him, and I think that nine games to go, we should be able to get a pretty good idea. Up next, we're talking Bills and Jets. I don't know when these two teams get together, they put up the ugliest scores in NFL history, it, and it doesn't matter, it seems, what year it is, because the Bills, they should have blown them out. They, I mean, they should have absolutely won this thing going away, and they struggled the whole game with them. And, uh, Alan, again, not a great, the greatest outing in the world. I mean, they did get the win, but, again, this is way too close for me. Way too close for comfort. I mean, the Bills were <laughs> down at halftime. I, I could not believe that. And three weeks ago, we were talking about them as one of the darlings of the AFC Obviously, they've played a couple tough opponents in Tennessee and Kansas City coming into this one, but they're looking pretty pretty sluggish, and Allen's MVP buzz has totally gone by the wayside. Held without a, touch, a touchdown pass again, um, actually for the first time since last season. So he did break 300 yards against the Jets, did Allen, but his MVP buzz has really slowed down. It was all Tyler Bass, the tackle box hero. Six for eight on field goal attempts in this game. Eight 
field goal attempts from Tyler Bass. I mean, he's been pretty bad this year. His field goal rate is just above 70%, so pretty inconsistent. But he was all the scoring the Bills were able to muster in this one against the Jets ball. So I'm starting to get a little bit worried about the Bills. Yeah, and I, we got to mention this before we uh, move on to uh, you know some of the other takeaways from Week 7. You know, the trade deadline is coming up. I don't know if Darnold's name has been out there or not or some other of the Jets players and what whatnot, but uh, you know that's one thing we're going to have to watch for, especially uh, with some of our players. Maybe we want them to get more opportunities, might get traded. I know there was the wild rumor of Matthew Stafford maybe going to Dallas or whatnot. So, again, the trade deadline's coming up Tuesday, so we do got to watch maybe some uh, names will be on the move here. Definitely. And at the quarterback position alone, on the opposite side of this game we just discussed, I mean, Sam Darnold, could you see the Jets moving him? I, I see Adam Gase as kind of a key piece to this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like he's going to be a coach through the deadline. I don't know why he would want to move Darnold, but maybe from a bigger picture, Joe Douglas, I mean, this is an 0-17 that doesn't look like they're going to get a lot better. They may be in the Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields market. Could you see them moving Darnold, and where may he go, Paul? Do you see any fits that may work for Darnold if they move him? I right now it's got to go somebody with got uh, pretty good balance. I maybe Jacksonville. I don't know, but there's not much Jacksonville's going to offer him because they also want to be in the sweepstakes. But then you got Trevor Lawrence scaring everyone this week, saying, "Hey, I may come back to school." So I mean, how can you blame him if you see if you're looking at the Jets as your number one option right now? Yeah, and he's one of those prospects that's in, at least at this point, that Andrew Luck, John Elway type tier. So I do think he's going to have some leverage if he wants to play elsewhere. Uh, I think he'd be better suited in a big market like New York than going to the Jaguars or someplace like that. But still, I think he's going to have leverage, Paul, being as huge of a prospect as he is. So that's going to be a wild card as well in this situation. Other takeaways from Week 7, the Monday Nighter, uh, was uh, the Bears' offense. That's a big talk in Chicago right now, what has happened to it. And Nick Foles, not really the answer. Would they go back to Trubisky at this point? I- I've heard rumblings about that from Bears fans. And the Rams, well, they put up uh, another uh, good fight against the Bears on Monday night. Yeah, I mean, this was mostly a boar fest on Monday night. Yeah. Uh, Especially, I mean, this is a five and one team against a four and uh, was it five and one against four and two coming in? Yes, two really good NFC teams, but not especially electrifying playing styles, uh, especially from the Bears. We had that little bit of a mix up uh, between Foles and Nagy after the game as well in terms of play calling and some confusion yes. on that. But yep. you know, this Bears offense is in rough shape. We know that Foles can get it going for a couple games in a row. We've seen him have a season with twenty-seven touchdowns and two picks. Uh, in Philadelphia, so we know he can get crazy hot, but this was my concern with him. It's just season long for 16 games. Do you want to be rolling Nick Foles out there every single week? He's going to be a bottom 5'10 starter in the NFL if you are, and I think that proved here. Uh, no touchdowns, two picks, absorbed four sacks with two of them coming from former Bear Leonard Floyd, and the pick to Jalen Ramsey was just kind of a layup. I mean, he just kind of let that float right into his bread basket, so pretty easy pick from him. Overall, it's not looking good. They are certainly a deep playoff defense. Even though they're not quite what they were with Fangio, they're still a really good defense. But to me, this is a wild card exit team until we see more from Foles. And also that running game is not too good. Traditionally with the Bears, they probably, you know, they struggle the passing game, quarterback play, but they usually have solid running game. But that is, you know, not really been the case this year with David Montgomery. Yeah, you kind of just expect them to have at least a middle-of-the-road rushing attack in Chicago. 
3.7 yards per carry for a second straight season is Montgomery. Their offensive line isn't the 2018 Dallas Cowboys for sure, but they're not terrible. I mean, their fifth best in the NFL in stuff rate is the Bears' offensive line. They're 18th in rush power success rate, so not a terrible offensive line personnel-wise. I think we're starting to question, and maybe even coming into this year, is Montgomery just a guy at this point? I mean, he's had 350 career carries. You'd think you'd have have to have seen something from this this guy. I mean, within two years, he's a big, bulky back, but I just don't think he's really popped since coming out of Iowa State. Yeah, and on the other side, he had Jared Goff. Again, he's... He's kind of he's just Mr. Consistent it seems like. He puts up those numbers, those solid numbers, not going to wall you a whole lot most of the time, but uh for fantasy that's what you kind of want is consistency and well, I mean not the greatest yardage numbers and like I said, but hey, it it got you positive points this week. True. And few teams put their quarterback in a better position than do the Rams. Really good talent on defense, a couple superstars, deep on offense all around, a couple of good tight ends, a couple of good receivers of course. And they have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. They've allowed zero or one sacks in five of seven games this year. So, also, he hasn't taken more than two sacks in any game yet this year, Heskoff. So, really good protection in front of him. Here, like you said, for 219, two touchdowns with no picks. Just three total interceptions on the year uh, since week two to 12 touchdowns. So, very efficient. You know, two touchdowns per game pretty much is what he gives you every week. But just, you know, deep league value from Jared Goff. Up next... If the Seahawks are on Sunday night football, just watch it because every time they seem to play a game on Sunday night, it is just insanely good. And it was again with the Cardinals who came out on top 37-34 in this one. Yeah, and we got really lucky because this was supposed to be Bucks raiders until COVID scare from the Raiders' offensive line kind of pushed that out of prime time. So we lucked out with that. And I think we'll long remember that play from D.K. Metcalf Yes. Freaking 100 yards down the sideline. I mean, that's one of those plays, Paul, that's going to be remembered for years and years. I, I remember just seeing the number chart they posted on that without no players or anything. It was like the old-time football number chart. And just to see him flying down the field, was it like 23 miles an hour? He was going to catch up to Buda Baker. I mean, that was amazing. Yeah, and they had it mic'd up, and Buda Baker's like, how the hell did you catch me, man? <laughs> like He came from like 20 yards back. He fought through a couple guys. I don't think Buddha, I didn't really see him let up. No. So one of those deals. So that was insane. And of course, the Seahawks, they were able to hold them on that drive at that point. The Cardinals went for it on fourth down and did not get it. Obviously, the Cardinals came out with a win, but no thanks to Cliff Kingsbury, in my opinion. I mean, he had some really weird clock management in this game. Uh, lined up Zane Gonzalez for a 41 yard game winning field goal on a second down in overtime, and it was like a 40-plus yard kick. I don't know why they didn't set that up better. Mm-hmm. He ended up missing he ended up missing that kick, and they kind of got bailed out by a miracle interception from Russell Wilson. So, yeah. to me, Paul, in a coaching league, that's going to be their Achilles heel is Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, of all things, I mean, that you would think, well, maybe Kyler Murray's going to have some mistakes here or there or whatnot, and they'll have to get over that since they're a young team. But, no, it's – the young coach, that might be uh, the thing they have to fight through here. Yeah, he's had some questionable calls. And as we know, not a lot of winning in his past. But he is really good for fantasy and a good offensive coach, it seems. Cardinals 5-2 and two now. 5-2. and yeah. two. They're really looking good right now. And on the opposite side, if you had Tyler Lockett, yeah, you must have won. Because 
53 <laughs> fantasy points from him. Unbelievable. Unbelievable, Paul. That's nuts. I, I I forgot that's what the total was for him. I knew he had a big game with over 200 yards and the in the three TDs, but I did not know he had the 15 receptions to go along with that. Because here's the thing, Lockett, he's been kind of missing a little bit here in this offense because Metcalf's been getting a lot of the looks, and I know Wilson, you know, going the deep ball, but he's usually finding everyone in that offense, and this was the breakout game of the year for Lockett. For sure. And he's had some stinkers as well. So this is his second game going over 35 points this season, but he's also been held under uh, nine points twice this season. So... That's kind of the boom-bust style we expect with Tyler Lockett, but something to be said for that. Certainly not 15 points every single week. And another big injury, though, on the uh, running back side for Arizona with Kenyon Drake uh, getting carted off late in that game. Kind of looks like a serious injury. I know they're on a bye this week, but I know I was rushing to the waiver wire to pick up Chase Edmonds this week. Uh, I, I know it might be only for a couple games, but who knows? And I thought, well, I need a little extra protection here, so... I know Chase Edmonds, very popular pickup here. Great pickup here going into week eight. Drake is expected to miss a few weeks, quote, yes. uh, a few weeks, according to Adam Schefter, with that slight tear in his ankle. It's a ligament tear. So Chase Edmonds in this game on Sunday night, 58 rushing yards on five carries, also seven catches for 87. So we've seen the explosiveness from him last year against the Giants, had that three-touchdown game. This year, he's been explosive as well. I mean, 6.1 yards per carry, 8.5 yards per catch. Three of the last four games, he's been over 15 fantasy points. So, Mm -hmm. if he gets a full workload, former Fordham Ram, (laughs) Scott Chase Edmonds, I do think he is a potential league winner. And he might just take this job and not give it back, even when Kenyon Drake is healthy. We'll have to see. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. This situation is kind of reminiscent of how Kenyon Drake won the job last year with David Johnson not performing well and kind of was in the doghouse at Kingsbury, but they made the trade, got Drake, and all of a sudden in the second half of the year, he's the starting running back. Uh, Yeah, because of this injury, if Edmonds is playing gangbusters here the first couple weeks, I I see it hard to go back to Drake, especially the way he's been struggling this year. Exactly. Now. I could not agree more. He has not lived up to the hype. And I think his contract, yeah, it looks his contract is going to expire after the season. He's under a one-year $8.4 million deal is Drake. So, I mean, that's certainly a high price to pay for a running back. But if you're a playoff team, you're 5-2, and two, you're going to put out the best running back you can. The guy's going to help you win games. And if Drake is banged up, Edmonds just might be the better running back for the rest of 2020. And finally, you know, we've been talking about Russell Wilson. Is this the year he's finally going to win the MVP? Well, this performance, the three picks, does that hurt him a little bit in this one? It hurts him a little bit. I still think he's got to be the favorite. Uh, Kyler Murray certainly got himself a little bit more into the discussion with his performance on the spotlight. Uh, Josh Allen, as we know, he's skating hard in the other direction. It would take a lot from him to get back in the mix. And Aaron Rodgers is still right there. So, to me, I think it's still Russell by, by hair over Rodgers. Where do you stand right now in the MVP, and do you think it's still Russell? Right now, I do think it's still Russell. If he can keep on doing this and, uh, you know, they keep winning games, yeah, I think Russell Wilson is still there. But uh, Mr. Rodgers might be coming up if, uh, you know, if there's any struggles in Seattle and if he can keep it rolling uh, down the stretch here. He, I think it could be those two uh, we're talking about here. Those are my clear top two right now. And if we're getting a little bit unorthodox, a couple wonky names to throw out there. Every year there's a couple guys who get in the mix at other positions. Derrick Henry, 663 rushing yards, a bajillion touchdowns. Miles Garrett, already nine sacks 
four forced fumbles. We never see that on the defensive side, but those would be the other two guys who are kind of playing their way into the mix here early. Up next, we are going to talk about two teams that don't seem to know how to win except one found a way to win at the end. Uh, the Lions and Falcons, another wild game. And again, the Falcons, they just they know how to break your heart and just smash it into a million pieces each week. Yeah, there's nothing you can do at this point. I, you just kind of have to laugh about it. Uh, you know, Todd Gurley, we've seen it. Fancy GMs in the past have been, you know, furious at Gurley. Even though he'll have a touchdown in a game, he had an instance when he was with the Rams where he fell down to kind of preserve a win over the Packers. Here, he burst through the line, no timeouts left for Detroit, and he could have just fell down with the first down. Atlanta could have kicked the chip shot and won the game as time expired. But no, I mean, he... He couldn't stop himself, Paul. He just could not. He had to make himself. the fantasy owners happy. Had had to make us happy. So <laughs> we're glad that he put us first. But the Falcons, we knew they were toast. I mean, as soon as Gurley went in, it was you know it was going to happen. They're going to lose this game. And sure enough, they go right down the field. But Detroit, Stafford to TJ Hawkinson as uh, the clock runs out. And we thought we might have gotten lucky. Matt Crater had to kick a 48-yard yes. point after a 15-yard penalty uh, on the lines there after the touchdown. But it didn't matter. He's playing the Falcons and uh, put it right down the middle, Paul. So 23-22. And the Falcons, uh, dark times. Dark, dark times. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that this – they're, I know somebody coined them as the fantasy Falcons, and that, that's what they are. I mean, they put up good fantasy numbers for you, but as a team, they just don't know how to win a game. And what do you do now? I mean, this is the oldest roster in the NFL. We've got Matt Ryan under contract for one more season. If there's one or two moves, what do we have to do? Obviously, we've got to hire a coach, preferably an offensive coach, I'm pretty sure, but what's, what's the move here that the Falcons need to make to get – I mean, they got talent. I can't believe how yes. terrible they are. What do you think they need to do here? That defense has always been their issue. So I don't know. I know with Quinn, they went with the defensive mind, but I, I think I'm with you. They might have to just stick with the offensive guy this this time for the head coaching gig and get just pay wh- whoever the top defensive coordinator is and get him in there to help uh, figure out what's the best way to go to fix that defense. But, yeah, I'm, I've heard the rumors. You know, maybe Matt Ryan could be done after this year there. Julio, of all things, could be – on the block in the off season, or maybe now I don't know. Depends. Uh, even though he just had that extension signed, but uh, like you said, you got some good pieces there with Calvin Ridley and others, and Hayden Hurst coming on. So I don't know what moves they have to make. I still think though the defense is what they they still got to work on. Could not agree more. And I think Julio would be the first tip I'd think of. The question is, how much can you get for him at thirty one, whatever he is? Yeah. Years old, but yeah, I would. They are stacked at receiver. That'd be the first place I'd look. And the other thing I'd say, other than the defense, clearly, you need to get. We need to get like five or six or seven guys on this defense who can play. Mm-hmm. Add them in here because it's they need a lot of help. But I mean, if I'm the Falcons, I'm not afraid to take a quarterback if I'm sitting at one or two overall. I don't think they're going to beat out the Jets. But if they did have a chance at Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, I know they need so much help on defense. But I do think Ryan's best days are well behind him. So. I would not be afraid to go quarterback if you're very early in the draft. I got to ask you this too. How much, you know, we're talking about Julio and what would you give up for him? How much now does the Bill O'Brien trade with DeAndre Hopkins really screw up what you think you're going to get for the guy? Because this is DeAndre Hopkins, young guy in his prime, you know, you know, he's a little bit younger than Julio, but when, you know, Atlanta's going to other these other teams and saying, "Hey, what can you get for me?" Well, 
they gave us their a starting running back uh, and no draft, you know, no, nothing in the draft. So wh- is the value screwed up now because of that trade for what, you know, when they try to address this with other teams and GMs right now? <laughs> yeah, I, I do think that Bill O'Brien trade certainly hurt the market a little bit if you're trying to move a receiver. Now, they got a couple picks with that move, but I think they needed to get at least one first. They definitely needed to get a first-round yeah. pick for DeAndre Hopkins in that trade. So it's going to be hard really for them. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. It's going to be hard for the Falcons to come back to a team and say, yeah, we need your first-round pick. And they're like, no, no, because DeAndre Hopkins went with, what, what a third-round pick maybe what that was? Or, I mean, it was like, it, like it's hard for them to give up that first-round pick or justify it now. If you're the Falcons, I don't think that's realistic. I think a second-round pick would be great, and in fact, even that would be a little bit lofty. But yeah, I would be I would be aiming for a second-round pick if you could possibly get that for Julio. Uh, and that's tough to that's tough to follow, but it, it may be good with the cap relief. So we'll see. If there is one area that they can move assets away from, it it is wide receiver. Well, one of the games of the week uh, it was the AFC, the two undefeated uh, Steelers and Titans. It was a great battle. And uh, went down to the wire. Yeah, Steven Koskowski. Boy, they thought they solved their kicking issues when they signed him. He just can't make any field goals under 40 yards. No, he's been terrible. I mean, if we remember back to week one, and Tennessee, of course, one of the last unbeaten teams, they could have easily lost week one. Goskowski, he missed three of four field goals. He missed one of his two extra points against the Broncos on that Monday night uh, late leg game in week one. So here misses the 45-yarder with just under 20 seconds to go. And that's been killer for them. I mean, kicker is a really tough position to address mid-season. There's yes. not many out there. And if you have a good kicker and you're a competitive team, I don't think you're giving them up easily. But 63% success rate on the season for Goskowski. And especially for, you know, we heard it on the week one Monday night broadcast. For a team that plays games the way the Titans do, defensive. They're running the ball. They're eating clock. They play a lot of close games, and they need a more reliable kicker. Easier said than done, but they've got to be on the market to get someone in there besides Koskowski. Mm-hmm. And, you know, positive sign, though, for their uh, for Tannenhill is A.J. Brown. Looks like he's back from that injury. Had a good week last week, and, well, back-to-back good performances uh, as he had a big touchdown against Pittsburgh in this one and uh, another big performance. Yeah, huge touchdown. That play alone would have gotten you a pretty good fantasy day. 73-yard touchdown there to really kick things off for Tennessee and begin that comeback. Ends Week 7 with six catches for 153. Four touchdowns in the last three games for A.J. Brown since he returned from that injury in Week 5. But Corey Davis actually out-targeted A.J. Brown 10-8, to just 35 receiving yards. So if you had Davis, had to be PPR. Six catches kind of bailed you out. And then the next leading receiver was Adam Humphreys with 19 yards. So... For the Titans, it was all A.J. Brown and Corey Davis Sunday against the Steelers. And on the Pittsburgh side of things, well, Big Ben was Big Ben again, just throwing it around. Sometimes it's going to get picked off. Sometimes he's going to make a great play. And that's what happened, and, hey, they won. He lets it rip. Big Ben lets it rip always (laughs) here. Three picks, and they survive it. They're still the last undefeated team in the AFC nonetheless. With those three picks, had the two touchdown passes. 268 yards through the air. And what you like to see fantasy-wise for him and the whole offense, season-high 59 pass attempts. Deontay <laughs> Johnson also showed some life here. Yes. Hasn't done, hasn't done much at all since that big week two game. Nine catches, 80 yards, two touchdowns on 15 targets against the Titans here. Just one catch on 25 snaps the previous two weeks. So good to see him get a full game in and produce. 
So some life from Deontay Johnson here with a down week from Claypool. And if you are a Claypool owner, you have to kind of expect this, especially with the, the receiving core that is there in Pittsburgh. He's not always going to be the lead horse in it. Exactly. But we've seen in the past, you know, granted, Antonio Brown's a different beast, but Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster, they've had seasons where they're both top 15, top 20 fantasy receivers. Claypool just showed too much ability, too much electricity on the field to not be a real guy. So I'm with you. Just we'll pump the brakes here. He's going to have a couple games like this, but he's also going to have those 30-point fantasy days that'll win you your week. Up next, we got the Giants and the Eagles, the Thursday nighter, the trip around the world we heard uh, with Daniel Jones, who almost had... I know he ran for 88 for 80 yards. Okay, you said it would have been an 88-yard touchdown if he would have stayed on his feet? Yeah, it could have been, <laughs> but uh, it was it was ugly. I mean, classic Daniel Jones here. Uh, can't have nice things, at least not for too long. <laughs> so, you know, 20 for 30 passing, 187 yards. He showed some life in this one, Paul, but this is a crazy stat to me. In his career, in his NFL starting career, Daniel Jones against teams not named football team, he's 1-15. <laughs> As a starter, so he's only beaten Washington pretty much. Oh wow! Again, a late fumble fall. He fumbled late. He coughed up the game again. That is killing him. These late turnovers are killing Daniel Jones and the Giants. I mean, it was nice they got Evan Ingram involved in the offense here, and he was. You know, there were some good drives they were putting together and, and some positive things. But like you said, he's his own worst enemy right now. Man, yeah, and Daniel Jones. This could have been a completely different narrative. If Evan Ingram was able to hold on to that third down pass, I mean, yeah, that too. Jones put it pretty much on the money. Maybe a couple inches long too far, but it, it should have been caught by Ingram. So on that second-to-last drive, Giants had a chance to put that game on ice, and Ingram could not haul it in, and it came back to bite him. Unbelievable. And on the uh, Philly side of things, you know, Carson Wentz, we were wondering uh, a week before, what do we think of him? Is this uh, is it time for Philadelphia to start thinking other options? Well, he basically led him to victory on uh, Thursday night. He put the team on his back here. He's throwing the guys, you know, Richard Rodgers, <laughs> Green Bay let him go. Yep. Travis Fulgham, he's a sixth-rounder from Old Dominion. They got Boston Scott off the Saints practice squad. Greg Ward is a college quarterback. I mean, he is he's just playing with house money at this point, but he's getting it done. I mean, six different players in this game went over 34 receiving yards for Philadelphia. It doesn't look pretty by hook or by crook, but Carson Wentz is getting it done, and I mean, they're first place in the NFC East. Not saying much, but the way the Cowboys are looking, I don't see how they don't win that division. Yeah, and the, the Philly defense, too, is starting to come on a little bit here. I know we were liking them uh, you know, in the draft season, if you were going to pick a defense or take a flyer on them. Early on, it was kind of rough, but uh, they seem now to starting to get some things together, and uh, they're coming up with some pretty good fantasy point games as well. Yeah, just five takeaways coming into this game against the Giants, three takeaways against the Giants on Thursday night alone. So, And we knew Daniel Jones was a little bit turnover prone. And the Eagles, they're coming alive. You think about what they did in 2017 when they won the Super Bowl. They were fourth in takeaway percentage with you know 15.4% of their opponent drives ended in a turnover. This year, it hasn't been that way until week seven. So with all their offensive line issues, with all their receiver in- injuries, they need that pass rush to get going, and they need to take the ball away. Good indication here in Week 7. All right, so let's look ahead to Week 8. Some guys that we, we call them borderline bruisers and flex heroes. Some of those guys that uh, you may want to take a flyer at. 
especially again if you're playing daily fantasy it might help you out with those uh, prices and get your budget whoever you know stack up the roster the way you want and to start off a quarterback position this week uh, you're liking jimmy g against seattle <laughs> hey you're not he's not looking good i mean he's had some <laughs> games. he had that negative one point uh fantasy outing against the dolphins he got benched for nick mullins in that one uh also seven and a half fantasy points against the patriots so this is kind of a counterplay, just thinking, in terms of DFS, his value is at an all-time low. But he's not longer moved from a good game. I mean, week six against the Rams, 24 fantasy points, and it's a trend. I mean, week one, also a divisional game against Arizona, he had 19 fantasy points. So he's hot and cold, but in these divisional games, he's a little bit more predictable. I'm thinking I would, be, I would in fact, be surprised if Shanahan is not looking at alternative options. I mean, just... The offensive mastermind he is, seeing the way Jimmy's playing, I think they're going to be looking into at least getting someone else in that backup room besides Mullen with all his inconsistencies that have come to light this year. But for this matchup, I do think Jimmy G is in good position. Seattle's just been so terrible on defense. They're mm-hmm. the worst pass defense in the NFL by a full 35 yards above the next worst team. They've given up, coming into this game, more yardage in the first six weeks of any team in NFL history. Has given up 30-plus points three times this year. And you mix in the fact that San Francisco, they have a couple of running back injuries, Evan Coleman or Heem Mostert. Now Wilson's down, so they may lean a little bit more on the passing attack than usual. Thus, I think Jimmy G could be a good sneaky start against the Seahawks this week. Well, I got to – hopefully that strategy can you employ, too, for Jarek McKinnon after last week's uh, huh. I'm going to yeah. rest him and not tell anybody strategy. That really kind of ticked me off as – a guy that had to force McKinnon into a flex position and thought, boy, he's going to have a pretty good week here because of all the injuries <laughs> and uh, big old zero. Yep, and I recommended him on the show last week, so uh, that one hurt. That one hurt. It's uh, <laughs> reminiscent of uh, you know Alfred Morris in a similar spot. <laughs> yeah. it, it hurts, and uh, it's just a little bit unpredictable, so I, I'm personally going to have to be a little bit more conservative with my DFS plays, and we have running backs making their first start of the season or lack thereof actually sitting. So, well, yeah, that's we're going to have to... Uh, but that's the Terrible. thing. That that's just the thing, though. Looking at it, looking at the roster, they had no one else to go. I mean, they had Jeff Wilson, but then he got hurt. But it's like you would think they would have featured McKinnon a little bit in this game, and then all of a sudden Shanahan had to say at the end of the game, "Yeah, we were just planning on resting him." Well, then just make him inactive for the game. Yeah, it's mind numbing. And Jeff Wilson's one of those guys. I mean, he gets a lot of touchdowns, but he's also averaging like two point one yards per carry for his career. Hey, he hasn't had a lot of games with significant work so to see him be the guy was kind of a surprise obviously he's a touchdown vulture but he's the back he wanted last week against the Patriots all right I'm I'm over that now so we'll get back on track with the quarterbacks I this guy has been amazing especially uh you know starting off the season on the bench and then the unfortunate injury to Tyrod Taylor and then Justin Herbert comes in and he's been Pretty dang good, fantasy-wise, and uh, getting a win last week. And uh, you like him this week against the Broncos? I like him this week against the Broncos. And it's season high, 38 points against the Jaguars last week in a game nobody watched. Or <laughs> few fans watched. But, I mean, that, that thing. No, no one watched. That was not the best game of the weekend. Uh, but Herbert, he gives you a reason to watch. Uh, if you're just a football fan, his first career win here against the Jaguars. And he's also starting to show a little bit of a rushing floor. 66 rushing yards and a touchdown against Jacksonville. Now he's got two rushing touchdowns in five games. So starting to show something on the ground. And just his fantasy production, 22 or more points 
in four of his five starts. So he's been very reliable. Ten touchdown passes, one pick over the past three weeks. And the yardage for him, he hasn't been under 264 passing yards in a game this year. So he's not going to hurt you. And the Broncos on the other end, look, we know they got a pretty good defense. We know Vic Fangio is a good defensive coach, but the fact is, Drew Locke has been putting them in a lot of short fields, four turnovers the last two weeks. So I think there's going to be some opportunities for L.A. to have short fields. And even if not, Herbert's a really good play against the Broncos defense. That's not quite what it once was. And a quarterback you're not liking this matchup a lot this week. It's uh, Drew Brees in Chicago. Yeah, I think we got to fade Brees this week. He's coming off a really good game, but we're still not sure if Michael Thomas is going to be back for that, from that ankle and hamstring issue or combo issue he's been dealing with. Adam Schefter reports he's in danger of missing week eight. It's just been week to week with yeah. Thomas. I mean, if you pick if you pick Thomas, it's been a killer year. Yeah. Could he be a buy low? Could he be a buy low poll? I mean, it, we got the great, we got the deadline next week, or are you just too scared to take to take a chance? Uh, he he could be. I, I know I got offered him this week in a trade, and I it was hard for me to reject the trade because I'm like if Jordan Taylor, I had, and the other guy had Michael Thomas, and I'm like, okay, if I if I had a little better backfield situation, I would have probably pulled the trigger because I'm thinking long term. I'm like, I really need him in my lineup down the you know in the fantasy playoffs if you know get to that point but it's like I don't know if he's going to be on the field this year the way things are going I don't yeah exactly I don't know if we're going to make the fantasy playoffs exactly trade for him that's the issue yeah this is I mean if Breeze has Thomas that gives him a little bit more upside but even if he does he's only had one to two kind of semi big nights this this year 23 points against Carolina in this past game was one of his best. But coming into that game, he was the 22nd-ranked fantasy quarterback with Drew Brees, so not really good this season overall. Chicago, the fewest fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks, just 16.5 per game, and fourth-lowest yards per attempt surrendered. So Brees with his short-throwing style, Chicago is a good defense overall. And lastly, Vegas has this over-under at 47 points. That's the third lowest over-under of the week, so it's supposed to be a slugfest, but I don't think it's a good matchup for Brees either way. At running back, you're looking at Kareem Hunt against the Raiders. Yeah, this one's obvious. I mean, we I just want to hit on Kareem Hunt and what he's doing right now. He was drafted as a sixth, seventh-round pick coming into this week. He's the number six overall running back in fantasy. So he's just been unbelievable. He's totally return on investment. And then some 14.7 carries and seven total touchdowns since week two. He's also had multiple catches in every single game but one this year. And he's got two receiving touchdowns the past three weeks. The red zone usage, you like it. He's fifth in red zone attempts, even though Nick Chubb was there for the early portion of the year. And he's ninth in red zone rushing percentage. Raiders, meanwhile, Third most fantasy points allowed to opposing back. So I think that this, for Hunt, you know, it's an obvious play. He's a top 10 running back. But in DFS, I'll spend up for Hunt against the Raiders. And one you're looking at, maybe he's a good value, but uh, maybe stay away, DeAndre Swift. Yeah, if you have him in a dynasty league right now, you've got to be tight. I mean, he's looking very explosive. He's been a good pass catcher. Of course, he had that boo-boo in week one that hurt. But he's been a really good pass catcher otherwise. He's had 11 or more points in five to six appearances this year in terms of fantasy he's also been over uh, 19 points per game his past three weeks so he's been killing it and four touchdowns the past three weeks so you like that usage down near the goal line but the thing is overall adrian peterson is not going away he's got pretty much an automatic 10 to 12 touches every week no matter what we 
what we want for fantasy, he's not going away. And the Colts, the fourth fewest fantasy points allowed to back. And Swift, he's a pass-catching back, too. Fifth fewest receiving yards allowed to closing back from Indianapolis. And just one receiving touchdown. So I love Swift long-term, but this week against the Colts, it's a no-go. And looking at some wideouts, uh, you're liking Tyler Boyd. And what is kind of a confusing Cincinnati wide receiving core on which one to pick each week. It is. I think he's our guy smoking hot at the moment. 11 catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown against the Browns in that uh, disappointing loss. Certainly could have pulled it out, but the number nine receiver so far in fantasy. Wow. Tyler Boyd as the number nine receiver. That's pretty crazy. He's been very consistent, too, with his workload. He's had five targets in every single game, an average of 8.7. And his catch rate is up near 80%. He's usually around 67 for his career. We know Tennessee is kind of that. We just assume they're going to have a good defense. I mean, Vrabel's a defensive-minded coach. Strength of that team last year, but so far, the 17th in scoring defense against receivers. Third most receptions allowed to the position, Tennessee, so far this season. And I do think, you know, Cincinnati plays a lot of teams close, but but Tennessee is a real team. And I think they're going to pull away, and Cincinnati is going to have to be throwing in the second half. So against a team that hasn't been that good against the past, I think Boyd is a good play against the Titans this week. And one maybe to stay away from, uh, Stephon Diggs against the Patriots. Yeah, he's the last on my fade list for this week. It's just not a matchup that you like. I mean, I picked New England to cover the spread last week. As I said, a major league. Just a bit outside. That pick didn't look too great uh, when it came down to it, Paul. That was just a strange game. And I know we're going to talk about that coming up here, but... Yeah, just totally. Everything just did not work out. But you got to think that that defense is going to start shutting things down a little bit more. And, yeah, I think with Gilmore most likely on Diggs this week, yeah, it's probably going to be a rough one. I'm thinking so. If he shadows Diggs, it's going to be a real rough game. I mean, Gilmore, defensive MVP from last year, defensive player of the year, only allowed one touchdown this season. And Josh Allen, too, against Belichick, three to five touchdown interception ratio. He's never gone or two hundred, never gone over two hundred seventeen passing yards. I know he's a different player this year, but still, I'm a little concerned about Allen against his defense and Diggs against Gilmore. So I'm fading Diggs. If you're looking for a tight end to play, you're liking Jimmy Graham. Yeah, quick one here. Graham already four receiving touchdowns on the year, going up against his former team. I like that in its own right, but also New Orleans. The third most fantasy points last opposing tight end. So I think they're going to try to pump the ball to Jimmy Graham in the red zone and try to get him a touchdown against his former team. And kind of on that same vein, I think Le'Veon Bell against the Jets, I think this one could get out of hand. Chiefs are 21 point favorites or 20 point favorites right now, actually, in that vicinity. So if they get ahead, which I think they will, I think the Chiefs will try to get Bell opportunities against the former team. So Bell. In a flex spot, maybe a decent DFS play for this week. All right, it's time to pick against the spread this week, and uh, I I don't know. We'll try to do our best here for you. Don't again, don't take our advice straight to Vegas or straight to the sports book and say, <laughs> yeah, we're gonna we're gonna put the house on everything or parlay what we're gonna tell you here. Don't yeah, don't yeah. mortgage off yeah Valley's college savings. Yeah, exactly. Our pick. Yes, maybe a little bit, but not all of it. Exactly, yeah. Just take it easy. We're, we're going to do our best here, but yeah, got to keep Sally in college. All right, so Buffalo in New England. Uh, Buffalo is a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this thing? They are. And they've looked terrible the last couple weeks. Yeah. But New England has looked just terrible. I mean, Cam, oh, my gosh. I've been betting on him. I, I picked him two weeks ago for DFS against the Broncos. 
He's had no touchdown passes, five interceptions the last two weeks. He's also fumbled twice. And the team has 18 combined points the last two weeks with Cam as the starter. I am worried about Buffalo. I do not consider them in the Tennessee class, the Pittsburgh class, the Kansas City class, the mm-hmm. Baltimore class, maybe Baltimore. They're, they're kind of in that mix, but I do not trust them in the playoffs right now. But still, I, I think that the Patriots, they're just missing guys right now. They do not have the talent on that roster that they've had. And I still think Belichick's the greatest coach of all time. It's starting to fade away in some people's minds, but I still think he is. But the talent is just not there. And I think at home, Buffalo can cover this three and a half. So I'm going to take Buffalo swallowing the three and a half. You know, I've got to go with New England on this, and I don't know why. I, I have nothing really to back up my argument. Just as I, I, there's so much that has gone wrong in the last couple of weeks for New England, they have to correct what's going on. And I feel like this is the week that they are going to turn things around. And I think they'll win. I think it's going to be close. But, yeah, I'll, I'm going to go with New England on this. I, yeah, that three and a half, I don't like that because, you know, the whole field goal thing. So I, I'll go with New England in a very close game. Yeah, I'm I'm not loving that extra half. So that may be what comes to bite me on the Buffalo pick. Now, this is a close matchup, oh. a blowout here. I thought it would be fun to put on here. Kansas City, to be exact, oh, 19 and a half point favorites right now at home. That's a lot of points, Paul, but that can is. they do it? Can they do it? So, yeah, I had to look, you know, I make sure I double-checked the final from last week. So Kansas City put up 43 points against Denver, and they they, they won that game by, what, 20? What was it, 43 to? 27. They won that game. I think by, was, yeah. So 43-16, I, I think. Th- that's it. That's it. That's exactly right. So, yeah, they, they won that game by 27. So I'm thinking, okay, we know they can put up the big points. Whenever you don't see a number like this, that's just <laughs> – too dang tempting to go with the Jets because I think they're not going to get beat by 20 points. But then a game that, you know, was, you know, Denver was a little bit competitive in that game against Kansas City, and they still knocked them out of the park by 27 points. I mean, it's just hard to pick against Kansas City on this one. I guess I will. I'll go with Kansas City on this. But I, like I said, it, that when the number is that big, it, it, that's hard. Yeah, I think if I was actually going to go, if I was going to go play the bet, I would probably stay away from this game. Yes. I just think it's funny that it's, it's literally, it's happened about 10 times in NFL history that there's been a 20 point spread. Okay. I was wondering because I'm like, this has got to be close to a record. Yeah. And actually, the funny thing is, it happened last season. There was a team that closed the 21 point underdog against New England, and it was the Jets. It was the Jets last year as well. But they covered. They yeah. lost 30-14. to 14. Yeah. To me, I'm thinking, that was a divisional game. Buffalo last week was a divisional game. They always play those low-scoring stinkers. I'm thinking, with Kansas City, what I'm worried about is in the, you know, they pull Mahomes in late in the third quarter, up by 24 points. They put in Chad Henney, and that's a backdoor cover. That's what I'm worried about mm-hmm. with taking the Chiefs. But I'm just thinking about the way Buffalo dialed up that pass rush on Darnold last week in the second half. I know Kansas City hasn't been at the top of the league, but they're still respectable. Chris Jones, already four and a half sacks. I think they're going to get to Darnold enough. I know Kansas City can put up 30 points, and I don't know if the Jets can get to even 13. So I'm going to take the Chiefs to cover. I'm with you, Paul. They're going to cover the 19 and a half here against the Jets. 
Man, that's <laughs> just straight. I mean, that's like college football back, you know, spreads and all that stuff. So, I mean, it's just big numbers we're dealing with here. Not used to it in the pro game here. But we're going to wind it up here with Minnesota at Green Bay, and the Packers are a six-and-a-half-point favorite in this one. Who you like? I am going to go with the Packers. I know that it's a divisional game, which I can see they're always tricky. And we're, In fact, yes. we got two divisional games this week, which could come back to bite us. But these are tricky. I know Rodgers, just, he just lit them up in week one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so look, they may be coming along a little bit. I'm not sure the status on Mike Hughes right now. That could be a factor. But you think about uh, Yannick Ngakwe just getting traded away after they gave up a lot to get him in yes. Minnesota. So that's kind of showing their direction to me. That's why I think... I'm going Green Bay, who entering last week at the fewest sacks allowed. How are they going to be able to get any pressure on Rodgers? That's my main concern and the reason I'm taking Green Bay to cover the six and a half. Oh, you're not buying it when GM Rick Spielman of the Vikings said, oh, no, we're not giving up on the season after this trade. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) They're trying to get Trevor Lawrence, baby. Yes, exactly. They're probably not going to get him either because they don't know how to lose properly. I don't know, but it's going to be – like you said, divisional game. That's what I'm thinking of here. And the last time they played, it was a nine-point difference. And it was somewhat close. Even though they put up a ton of points, it didn't seem like that. But when I look back at the final score, I think it was 43-34. And I'm like, whoa. They came back. They came back. They came back. So that's why Green Bay wins the game, but I think Minnesota gets underneath that six and a half. Maybe it's like a four-point victory for the Packers. But I think Minnesota does enough to do that. Yeah, and that's it's not a bad investment. If you're going bigger spread in a divisional game, you can do worse. You can do worse. But so this week you got two splits. I'm taking <laughs> Buffalo. You'll take New England. Yep. Uh, Buffalo three and a half points favorite. We're both taking the Chiefs minus 19 and a half. <laughs> and then we got a split here with the NFC North. Uh, I'm going to take the Packers minus six and a half. And you'll go with uh, with uh, your boys. Yes. And they definitely could in this divisional game. Like I said, I don't think they're winning the game, but I think they sneak under that six and a half. That's that's all. Maybe they lose by six. That's what I'm saying. Is this game at, is this game at 1 p.m., Paul, on a Sunday? Yeah, I believe it is, yes. And Kirk Cousins, if he's going to show up. It's a, it's a, a, a yeah, it's not a Monday nighter, so we know that there's a chance, I guess. He should be fine. He should be fine. Yes. Well, Corey, again, thanks for joining us this week, helping us break it all down and uh, getting ready for this next week. It's going to be fun. Good to be here with you, Paul, and we'll talk again after we get Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Zone and give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Follow us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Football Zone podcast.